millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. At Total Wine & More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead. Test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine & More. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. My name is Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. Welcome to a track-by-track episode of the show in which we sit down with an artist and go through their album track-by-track, discussing the stories behind the songs and just various other things. Like I like to use the kind of track-by-track format as a bit of a structure to have jumping-off-point conversations, see where we go, and really put the album in a deeper focus. Hopefully we got that done here alongside the great Michal Quinn. Now, before we get to Michal, uh, if you're joining us for the first time on this show, maybe you're checking it on a whim, maybe you're a big Michal fan, maybe you have no idea who I am, or what No Encore is, and this is the part where I tell you that No Encore is a weekly show at every single Friday in which we discuss music. We have music news roundup, we have an album review, an in-depth album review, and we also have a top five in which we go through like the top five best, you know, songs that ended a film, the top five best and worst songs about Ireland, the top five most overrated albums in existence, and so on and so forth. Myself, Michael with Craig Fitzpatrick, bringing a, like a kind of a, a run sheet you know, we don't know what we're going to talk about in advance and we go from there. It's a lot of fun. The show has a more kind of a playful nature. Uh, we've been doing it for a while now. So if this happens to be your first ever time, I hope you'll stay with us. We get to do special episodes like this as well. This track-by-track format, which we introduced a few months ago. So far, we've talked to the likes of Pillow Queens, Alvaretti, Denise Chala and Murley, Patty Hanna, Nilo and A. Smith. And now Michal joins us. It's a, it's a really good spotlight, I think, to kind of go through the record in a different way. Not just ask the kind of same old questions and just, you know, 
And as far as I'm concerned, like, you know, I have your press release. I know that. But I want to know more about it. And I want to know more about you. And I think we come to that on this episode. So if you like what we do, you can always support the show on Patreon. You get episodes, you know, bonus episodes. You get playlists. You get previews. And our undying love, of course, it's patreon.com slash noencore. No more selling the show. Let's get on with this one. Michal Quinn. Uh, what can you even say about the guy? He's one of the most charismatic and lively figures in the Irish music scene. He's a multi-instrumentalist. He's an artist of many styles and disciplines, best known for his stellar work behind a drum kit with Melty Brains, with Enemies, and with Dermot Kennedy. Uh, as I have noted before, any time that I've gone to a Dermot Kennedy show, uh, whether it's with with my good pal Dahi or whether anybody else, there's usually a moment in the show when you hear someone in the crowd kind of shouting, Guamihal, Guamihal! And it's probably me or Dahi doing it, because we're just such big fans of the guy, and he really helps make that live show what it is. Uh, he's off an arm with a smile on his face. He's got a reputation for being not just a fantastic musician, but a really sound guy as well. And that does come across in this episode. And I'm delighted to do this episode with him, to do the No Encore track by track and discuss his debut solo album, which is called Colours. And it's out now. And I highly implore you to go and listen to it. This is an album that is steeped in explorative electronica, an album 10 years in the making, one that Michal has been constructing piece by piece when inspiration or a restless night hit him. It's a project that might never have been released, serving as something of an evolving personal exercise for him, but somewhere along the way he decided it was time to finish it and to share it with the world, and I'm really, really glad that he did. It's a beautiful maze of worlds clashing together, adventurous build-and-release instrumental arrangements with occasionally unique vocal communications that both break and bring a sense of tension to the mix. As I note myself at some point on this episode, I tend to study these albums in advance and only really get to quote-unquote enjoy them once this specific interview is done, but I managed to kind of beat that system right before recording this, and I think it says a lot about colours. It unlocks you when you're least expecting it, and that's so often one of my favourite things about music, when it levels up and connects with you on an intimate level. I really want you to check this one out, but obviously I really want you to listen to this conversation first. Michal and I get into all kinds of things here. His work for Melty Brains, Enemies, and Dermot Kennedy, his love of and commitment to meditation, his extremely technical approach to recording his vocals, uh, a great story about the track More and why it's so important to him and how a stranger played a significant part in its legacy. All that and so much more on this. I'm glad that Michal took the time for us and I hope you'll do the same for him and his record. That record is Colours. The artist is Michal Quinn. Now let's go through everything track by track on No Encore. Delighted to be joined on No Encore by Michal Quinn. Hey man, how's it going? Not too bad, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited about this, and I'm excited about the record. It's been out a few days now, so this is like an interesting time to talk to you, like the fact that it actually is out in the world already. How are you feeling in the last kind of few days since putting it out there? Um, how, I don't know, actually. Um, I haven't thought about it too much. Uh, I've enjoyed being able to listen to it myself on Spotify for the first time. That was great. That's a buzz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I haven't... Um, I haven't thought too much about how it's felt that it's out there yet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You put up a, a very nice, eloquent post, though, on Instagram on the day of its release. And in amongst that, you said, I'm putting this album out myself without any big industry help. I wanted to be able to work entirely freely and without concern about the potential outcome of the album or anything like that or anyone else's expectations other than my own. It helped keep my attentions aligned with what the music was for, music for music's sake. However, that does make it harder to reach people with the album. So if I could ask for people's help, if you think you know someone who'd be into the music, please share it with them. Word of mouth is beautiful 
beautiful and powerful thing and I'd love to see the album reach as many ears as it can so please do share this music I really really hope you enjoy it it is me fully and through and through and I'm glad to share that with people it is my love letter to music and art and on this episode that's very much what we're going to do we're going to share this record by diving into it track by track so let's kick it off with the very very first one That's the opening track. That's called Sights. Um, speaking of Sights, the last time I saw you in person, Michal, was quite some time ago. And uh, if memory serves, you were a rugby, uh, rugby tackling dohi, a droney, over a couch at, a, <laughs> at an after party after a Dermot Kennedy show. <laughs> what did the man do to earn such wrath? You're going to have to tell me when and where, what gig it was. I feel like it was upstairs in Four Name Lane. It might have been post a Vicar Street or Olympia show. And I just remember he was like, there's me all. And then you came running at him. And it was glorious. It was like one of the greatest sights I've ever seen. It was incredible. It was obviously in good fun, of course. But uh, I was like, does Dio money? Like, what's going on there? <laughs> all he did there was at some point he's earned my affection over the, the, I don't know, our history known each other to the point where I think it's okay to tackle him. It was beautiful. It was <laughs> That's incredible. Funny. I mean, it's a rare sight. I mean, obviously, to tie it back into the title of this track, but uh, you've uh, <laughs> keep doing the game show host. Oh, now I'm nervous. I'm like, what else do you know? What have you seen? Oh, I was like, I happened to be there for that one. Like, you know, it, was just, uh, it hasn't left my brain. But, uh, like, you know, you've toured the world much more than I have. Uh, what's the most awe inspiring sight that you've ever laid eyes on, if such a thing exists? Oh. I, do, do you know, I suck at these uh, kind of questions where it's what's a uh, pinpointed thing because I'm like, oh, what was the last thing I saw? And I was going looking for, I don't keep a track, I don't think, or like, what's your favourite food on tour? I'm like, I, I don't know. Maybe some popcorn I got somewhere. What's the most awe-inspiring sight? Um, the sky down in West Cork where I live is, you see the Milky Way some nights and it, poof, that's outrageous. Um... I saw a shooting star in Brazil once that was, it went by really slowly. There's actually a song on the album about that night, um, which we'll get to later. That was incredible. Um, Oh, I don't know. Lots and lots of stuff. Low everything, lots, anything you look at is pretty beautiful if you look at it enough. Shooting star in Brazil sounds pretty fucking cool. Yeah, man. It was, it was so slow as well. Like there was enough time for me to be like, Emma, look at that shooting star. And for her to go, what? (laughs) Oh my God, look at that shooting star. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty... Yeah, no, that's unreal, actually. I was on the beach in Rio at, like, six in the morning and a shooting star happened. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty mad. How does uh, how does West Cork compare? And I guess in terms of, like, the places that you've been, how much of them would you say kind of feature on this record? Um, Not much. Um, There's one song, the song I'm just talking about there with being in Rio. Uh, that's the seventh track. The rest aren't about places, I don't think. No, there's there's no... Um, no, it's not about places. It's all about internal world stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going inwards as opposed to looking out, I think. 
Okay. I mean, with this album, it's your first solo album. I mean, was it a case of the last year being off the road spurred you on, or was this always a specific itch that you needed to scratch? Because if I'm right in saying, is this this is somehow 10 years in the making, right? Yeah, yeah. No, this is a, an itch that's been there for a long time. Okay. Now, I never knew it was an album. Um, the first, So the first track, yeah, that was... That was written, like, what we're listening to there is written, recorded, mixed and finished in 2010 or 11. Um, And it's just been sitting on my laptop ever since. Um, But yeah, I was always just chipping away at it. Um, But then, yeah, there was nothing else to do this year. And I still, you get an opportunity to say so much being a drummer, um, playing music in front of people. You get to, like, take what it is you're feeling and deal with it. And I still needed an outlet for that. And um, so I think I just went into the album or I went into all the music I had and it was only about 35 minutes worth of music. I think I had about March last year and I was like, all right, that's not an album, but it's far too long for an EP. So I have to deal with that. So I had to like piece together some more music. Um, In a couple of weeks, I thought because I didn't think I had very long. I was like, I got to put the album out. Um. So yeah, over the last year, yeah, it, it was a thing that's been there constantly with me, and I finally had the time and space to just dedicate to it. Yeah, no, I mean, like, there's almost something like of a, like a kind of a novella feeling to it, I guess. I mean, like, the, you're constantly working on it, you're adding bits and pieces. I mean, the fact that you said that you had this on a laptop from ten years ago, I'm like, first of all, like, what happens if that laptop gets lost <laughs> or gets, like, doesn't come out on the other side of an airport? You're like, fuck. Yeah, no, I never. Uh I never thought about that, I guess. is It's just safe. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was just, it was my laptop. I had it on my laptop and I had my laptop everywhere with me. Um, but I was never that precious about it. It wasn't like I was working on an album. Right. Um, there was no grand plan. I just, I liked making music in my own time and I thought it was pretty good. And I'd sit down and listen to it. And that would be as far as we go. I might show some of my friends and be like, do you think this is cool? Like, I think this is cool. But that was it really. Because I was in lots of bands. I didn't... Um, I guess I didn't need any gratification or any outside um, feedback on my own music. So I didn't need to put it out. I didn't need it to really be a thing. Yeah. Because the bands were where I went looking for that. Um, so no, yeah, I never, I never, I don't know, I never worried about it. I never thought too much about it. It was just a thing that was building. And then, yeah, this year I realized, oh, I could actually have an album. It was, you know, it was called Colors EP on my laptop up until... I don't know, the start of the year, maybe even. Start of last year. 2020, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it might have been just called Colors EP the whole time because I didn't think I had enough for an album. Yeah, and I figured I'd put out an, or an EP and just look, like, oh, yeah, I made an EP and then maybe I'd get my my shit together. Can I say, can I curse? You can yeah. Say whatever you want, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just get my shit together and make an album one day after that. I didn't think there was an album there. I didn't think I'd written an album. But it just kind of, I don't know. Yeah, just sort of happened. I guess, like, in terms of the music, I mean, I, you know, your stuff is out there, even your website is very extensive, like, it's it's possible to, to realise that, like, you're more than just a drummer, you know, and, I, you know, I say that with love as a drummer myself, of course. Uh-huh. but I'm wondering, I mean, like, do you think people are kind of surprised when they throw on a track like this, that they're like, oh, that's completely not what I was expecting, like, this is, I, you know, obviously you can't do, like, ten or nine fucking drum solo tracks, that'll be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no one would listen to that. Yeah, pain us to admit it, we are accompaniment. But like <laughs> at the same time though, I mean like like it's so expansive, it's so kind of 
It's, it wasn't quite what I was... I don't know what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But when I heard the first track a few months ago, uh, when Louis sent it to me, I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, this is not what I thought it would be. And then I was like, wait, hang on. I was like, what did I think it would be? And why is that a fair... Why did I have a reductive, you know, viewpoint of what Michal Quinn's music would be? You know, like it's it, like I say, like it is... I think even the title is incredibly applicable to it. Like there's a world in here, a world of ideas and colours and moments. And I was just like, wow, okay. I need to be a bit, you know, a bit less closed off, I guess, in my own kind of interpretations of something. You know, like there's just so much here. Like, it, like even even whittling it down to what you have on this. Like you're saying, like, oh, it was an EP at one stage, and like maybe that's all it would be. But like, I feel like there's, you know, like you, like I say, I mean, like there's world building on these tracks, which I found to be just very much like, wow, okay, cool, that's what he's doing. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I, no, I certainly wasn't looking to um to surprise people or doing like that. I was just doing what was natural, and I think what I'd imagine is I think people see me just do what's natural anyway I just sort of do stuff and I think I think I, I don't know I can't really speak for other people but I think people just be like oh, okay this is the music now that guy has made who I watch as a drummer or who who seems to like make art stuff as well now this is the music he's made Um, I think yeah I don't know if people were expecting a drum album out of me because it's not something I've ever like um hinted at or gone too far into I just I don't know yeah I, I've been in bands my whole life so I, I would have thought the music I'd make would be music as a as a whole that making a drum album would be um pointless yeah, 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 like, like, it, it, it's it's harsh to like throw the word like boring but like it could yeah. be or do, do you know do you know what actually I think I don't think I'm um good enough to make a drum album that's um engaging enough as a drum album yet i don't know i like i haven't spent time crafting drum music and listening for or or working with drum sounds and um exploring how you'd get an emotion or, or set of feelings across with just drums that wouldn't just be hammering at the drums yeah, yeah. so i think it need, i'm not sophisticated enough as a drum composer let's say Michal Quinn's jazz stravaganza <laughs> yeah yeah we don't have that yet whereas Someday. electronic music it's um, it's more attainable to get your point across I think than where I'd want to go if I was making a just solo drum album but also everyone isn't going to a solo drum album isn't um, an album to sit down and listen to it's a whole different discipline yeah 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 stuff from it. yeah yeah of course yeah That's track two. It's called New Bliss. Uh, in terms of new, potentially blissful experiences, you can see my pattern here. <laughs> You've gone from busking on the streets of Dublin to experimental bands like Melty Brains and Enemies, and of course are increasingly recognised and respected for your work with Dermot Kennedy. It feels like quite the eclectic education and quite the life experience. How has it been for you? Um, it has been like everything. It's it's who I am. Um. Yeah, yeah, those, all those things, being in, 
lots of bands with really great people it's always been very safe i think i think i've 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 had a nice um safety net around me to be able to explore things i think um like musically i i i've i've been with people who are really brilliant musicians that like make you want to be better because you're like oh they can do that well then i sh- i should be as comfortable and that's always unreal anything that pushes you to be a better musician when you're a musician is like your life it's 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 everything and then it's also just so much fun being in bands like it's it's mad um the things you get up to yeah uh it's been really great <laughs> in terms of yeah i mean like it's it's obviously a very broad question but like like i think the kind of the versatility in those acts as well i mean like melty brain is such an experimental unit like it's mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't even know where to start like where to start describing them really apart from just being like just throw on a track and like see what you think of it but like mm-hmm. you know enemies was i think you know for a while like i think one of our own's like leading kind of math rock outfits and so I guess attractively instrumental in what they do, so inviting, mm-hmm. kind of like yeah, yeah, very listenable. Yeah, just really kind of warm. Um, you came you, like you came onto that act towards kind of like I guess the midpoint towards the end of their run. To- yeah, yeah, we, we did like a year and a bit or two years, I think. Yeah, so like I think you came in off the second album, then worked on the third. Towards, mm-hmm. Obviously, like and and like I guess even like just being around those people as well, even before you get to like you know being being there for for Dermot, which I mean like like I've, I've said before on the show like I mean I've been to so many of his shows that like like you're part of that fucking show like there are people who just like you like you get your own kind of chant at one <laughs> at those shows so it's just a, such a, a very interesting kind of array of people yeah do you know it, as you're talking about it I'm able to I can just think about those bands and I'm like oh yeah like Enemies made me such a better drummer because I showed up and like I could play those songs but I remember the lads being like yeah you're playing them but it doesn't feel right. And I, it made me like, oh, well, what are the nuances of a drum beat that I'm not able to do? What What is it that I'm missing that like just everything I think I'm playing isn't cutting it? Why is it not cutting it? And learning to like be able to feel something out with someone who you don't know very well um, to get them comfortable, to get them to a place where they're utterly satisfied. Um, so enemies like enemies upped my game as a drummer an awful lot because I don't I don't think I was quite good enough to be in the band when I started yeah I I don't think so they'll they'll say no you were great from like a technical point of view yeah yeah I just had this as like okay I can convince them I can do this (laughs) and I think I have the attitude and the energy to do this but I know my playing isn't up where it should be to really hold my own and be able to enjoy myself on stage and for them to be able to enjoy themselves. I didn't feel that good, but it was great because I was like, well, I need to get that good then. Um, So Enemies really tightened me up and made me a lot more focused and better as a drummer. And then, yeah, being a Melty Brains is... That has taught me, like, freedom and and just... You can do whatever you want. Like, you're allowed. It, It... it doesn't matter like off you go utter utter freedom creativity just throw it at the wall there you go like whatever comes out comes out and um if you have an idea just run with it yeah yeah. and also that like you don't have to play by the rules like musical rules and musical um dogmas and all that it's like well no just blow them up who cares just express yourself and and whatever works works and whatever doesn't doesn't and it doesn't really matter. You're just making music. Yeah. And I think we learned in Melty Brains as well that like there's five of us and we're just kind of there for each other. We're, we're 
in all this together I think so we look out for each other and we're we're just it's a really lovely little situation it's it's I know it just showed me like that music is is a lot more than just being in a band yeah you're connected with people I mean Melody Brains to me feels like it's almost like an evolving play like it's <laughs> yeah that's a band and more of a kind of art, like an artistic kind of collective yeah because you don't really know what's going to happen but something's going to happen yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, like you're like i don't know i mean like there's a question mark in the band's name and i'm like yeah there fucking should be yeah 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 makes sense to me yeah um and then i wonder with the dermot stuff i mean like i wonder if it's ever like a travis barker thing where like i remember reading, reading an interview with mark hoppus for and they were like travis is just like sneaking in or no travis himself said he said he's like he's like oh I'm, like he's like I'm, I'm sneaking in these like brazilian things and he's if the, if the guys knew what i was doing and they go fucking crazy but they don't <laughs> it just sounds good because I guess like you know his style like it's very like obviously kind of like you know singer songwriter pop orientated especially in a live setting as well like I mean I think you get a chance to kind of not not so much show off it's not like that kind of a show but it's very much like you're adding to the experience you're elevating it and it's funny because the word that you use there the word freedom I was wondering if actually the solo stuff was the chance to kind of just be completely you but I guess maybe it comes from that Melty Brains background like you've always had that kind of ability and confidence to do it yeah I, th- I think the solo album was really like being like okay I don't have to ask anyone's opinion on this I, I get to just do what I want to do because as free as it is I'm the drummer so I'm not the one sitting at the keyboard writing the keyboard lines who's coming up with the melody who's deciding the tempo although I should be if I'm the drummer actually <laughs> but uh, no yeah you're you're all you have to share you have to share with other people so you have to you have to allow for like there's something you don't like very much coming out and being part of it whereas yeah, there's, you can get more control on it when you're on your own and then really let it go because you're you, you're just sort of you're not thinking about what anyone else thinks yeah so it's just about what it sounds like and what it feels like but yeah, then you jump to Derma, and it, I, I think I take a lot from Melty Brains and the freedom and the the knowing that like following the rules on stage isn't what you have to do. Like you can get up there and go nuts, <laughs> and like now I don't do this with Derma, but like you could play absolute chaos, and it would still give people an amazing experience. You don't have to do it properly, and I think Melty Brains taught me that. And I bring that to the Derma thing where I'm like, all right, there's a lot of people coming to see this now, and it could be really straight and it could be really down the middle. Yeah, like sessiony. Yeah, exactly. But I'm like, well, or it couldn't. Like, why not tell everyone? You can do it a different way if you really want. Like, you have to do it properly. And I think Derma gives me great um, freedom and trust with this, where he's like, no, you do, you do what you need to do back there. Do it properly and don't, like, fuck about, but do what you need to do. <laughs> yeah. So there's a great back and forth where I'm allowed go for it to some degree yeah I mean I guess um, that comes from like you guys both together so it was very much yeah you're not, you're not like you're not just a hired hand like it's not just drummer X exactly yeah and I think that's really like I think it's really important because I think so many um, acts get a drummer who's who's very um, just it's not enough personality or something and I'm like well it's the drums like animal is our like <laughs> Spirit animal, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and whatever that means for you, I, I, it, like, I don't think it has to mean being wild and going absolutely crazy, but I think it, it means personality is very important. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I, I, <laughs> I do a little bit of a, a dirty protest almost on the drums sometimes. Where I'm like, I'm not going to play it properly. I'm going to throw this mad thing in because it's cool. <laughs> and that's we're playing music here. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. I've never heard that expression applied in that way before. That was uh, that was quite something. Um, but yeah, I mean, like in terms of yeah, you mentioned like the idea of like like you're malleable. You're there to be malleable. Like in that, like whether it's enemies, whether it's Dermer, whether it's multi brains. But like in this situation, was that just like incredibly like stress relieving, or did you have those moments when you're like, fuck, I kind of need someone breathing down my neck on this? Or I guess because it took as long as it took, and as you say, you never envisioned it as being this grand declaration statement. Apart from you know, on a personal level and obviously you want people to hear it but like did you have those kind of moments where you're like oh fuck i almost need like an editor i almost need someone standing over me or did that never come in no no never never just chill yeah yeah if there was someone standing over me i wouldn't have been able to finish it i don't think i would have been like no i don't know when it's going to be finished well okay it'll be finished when it's finished so like I've had, I think I've had like three or four different dates that I've been like it's coming out in this date. Yeah, I got moved at least once. I know that one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I just I just listened to it again. I'm like oh no, it's not finished actually. I got to fix that. I got to fix this. I got to change this. No, if there was someone breathing down my neck, I would have been like you need to leave me alone because this is just going to happen when it's going to happen. Um, now with other projects, very much so. It's great to have someone breathing down your neck, but this wasn't that. Yeah, this wasn't a thing, like, there was just no urgency. I think you feel a lot of urgency when you're in bands and a musician that, like, you have to get your success quick because it might not be there yeah. if you don't show up to it soon enough. Um, whereas I'm not really looking for success with this album, so I uh, that all that pressure is it like... takes well, it all completely. Yeah, yeah, and I think it was much better for the music as a result. Um, one other thing though in terms of bliss although that does sound like a pretty blissful place to be I mean not having that kind of strain uh, I know that you've got a bunch of drum endorsements like mm-hmm. you've got like am I right in saying Sonar, Sabian, Vic Firth, Remo and Roland have all kind that's of, the lot yeah yeah that's fucking like again like like me reading drum magazines in my teens and stuff and just being like you know David Silvera of Korn is endorsed by you know you're like oh my god like that's like the, the biggest coolest thing I think for a drummer yeah yeah <laughs> can, you, can you tell me a bit about like how any of them came about and what that involves and you know like um, well I, it, it, it should start from like yeah it, it, like when you look at it you're like oh that is really beautiful that's like the little the dream that's the um, those boxes you want to tick I always had them as boxes to tick yeah yeah um, and they were goals and when you when you see them laid out in front, you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, Nice one. You you did that for yourself because you needed to satisfy that in some way. So um, it's cool. But also it's worth being like, oh yeah, once you get those things though, nothing um, nothing magical happens. It's, it's more like a little, just show of some work you've put in. But how did they come about? Well, Sabian was through Music Maker. The lads in there are just unreal with Irish drummers. They, they want to put Irish drummers out there and be like, well, no, we're good too. Um, which I think is class, because I also think that. Um, so Nigel, who worked there, was just really good From at... From Bitchwagon? Yeah, 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 course, yeah. He's a good friend. And, um, oh, unreal. Powerhouse. Yeah, on, on the new... Um, there's a track in the new album called Martyr, and the drumming on it's unreal. But, uh, yeah, so that was through, through Music Maker. They were just like, we want to bring you on as one of the Sabian guys. And then I just stayed at it with them. I was like, right, I am with this then. Sabian's what I want to play, so I'll give you anything you need from my end. Then Sonar came on. We were going on tour with Derma, and they needed to buy a kit. And they were like, we can get a Gretsch hookup, we can get a Mapex hookup and all this. And I was just like, no, it's Sonar. Like, I'm, I'm going to play Sonar. And if I have to pay you to get a sonar drum kit I'll do that 
it's going to be a sonar kit. So I was ready to just buy a kit myself and be like, I don't care about endorsements of that. I care about the word sonar being up there. And so they reached out to sonar and explained what was going on, what they thought was about to happen and the shows and stuff. And then who I was and my kind of obsession with sonar. Excuse me. And I think, um, I don't know, I guess they liked the idea and they, they were like, okay, we'll, we'll get you as a kit. And, and then I've met them a few times since then. And the relationship is just really good. Cause I'm, fairly obsessed with their drums so I just show up and like oh my god what have you done next I love this and I think they're kind of like okay cool this guy's this guy's got the right attitude um, then Vic Furt was a couple applications and a couple rejections of being like well no no it doesn't really fit us doesn't suit us and then Vader I don't know if I should be saying names but Vader came along and we're like we can we can get you on and uh, Nigel was like they'll do like a custom stick like you can have a stick and I was like, no, 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 it's not Vic for it. It won't do. Oh, come on. Um, so I said, no, I was like, no, I'm going to... Get out the meat hole. <laughs> no, if, if it, it has... It, Vic for it is the company. I've just... It was because when I was a kid, I, I... Same, same. Yeah, I had these ideas about what drums were. White tips on the sticks, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You, you, I've ever seen... You just come up with these images and I was like, no, it has to... So it had to be Vic for it. It had to be Remo. It had to be Sabian and it had to be Sonar. Um, how did Remo come about? I can't remember how Remo came about at this stage. Wind and dined, I assume. Some kind of incredible... I don't know. Do you know, though, I, w- I've met, I went out to the Remo factory when I was in America. They, I'd been with them for a bit and they invited us over just to give us a tour of the factory. And we went out with the head of the artist relations and uh, he had a really good question. We were just chatting away and then he was like, what do you, what do you think of Ringo? And luckily I've thought an awful lot about Ringo and what I think of him as a drummer and... Um, I had a good answer, but after this, I was like, oh, that was a, that was a question. That wasn't like, just what do you think of Ringo? It was, what's your deal? Like, where do you stand on all this stuff? What, what do you really think about drumming and, and that? Um, what was your answer? What was my answer? I think he's unreal. I think he might've invented hip hop drumming by accident. <laughs> um, if you go on to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the reprise of Sgt. Lonely Hearts, it's like, I'm like, that's a hip hop beat back in like the late 60s or early 60s whenever that came out um, it, amazing drummer not like he, he doesn't sit there and fly around the place but that's not what it's all about and that's what got you the endorsement no no no, no that was everything had been going on but I think that was a little that's uh, the waters yeah yeah I think they're like okay this guy isn't just a lad who wants a lot of drum skins <laughs> yeah yeah that's what I thought anyway maybe he was just asking what I thought of Ringo incredible absolutely like Ringo got so much stick on this show and in general oh no way really oh, yeah well I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a big Beatles guy so. uh, okay okay no yeah I'd, I'd we could put on some stuff and I'd wig out to it and be like this is why <laughs> and I'd convince you Ringo has like his swing his swing is unreal it, oh he He's just great. This is more respect than he gets from his own bandmates. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What does he say? He's not even the best, best drummer in the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. But it's, it's, you see, the way I, th- I think is like, he's not the best at all. And no one should ever, that shouldn't be part of the um, equation. But Ringo Starr as a person being a drummer brought something that's so important to drums and to music. That's like, well, yeah, he deserves all the respect. Far more than someone who can... Blah, 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 blah. Uh, on, the, on, uh, on that contentious note, we'll go on to the next track.
That's the third track on the record. It's called Two Two Two, and um, I guess we can get into the vocal style because, like, it, this is a, I guess, predominantly instrumental album. But there are moments of vocals, whether they're yours or whether they are sampled or whichever. Uh, what did I just hear there, and how does it come about? If you can take me into kind of, I guess, the construction process of this. Well, it's me. It is. It's, it's me singing. Um, it's me singing in my bedroom with. I don't think there was anyone else in the house, but I was still uncomfortable enough singing that I pulled the duvet over my head and I stood against the wall and I sang into a microphone like that so that it's a harrowing image <laughs> yeah 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 just so that no one would hear <laughs> um, no yeah the, the singing is th- that's me singing and I just I sing in I can't sing very well so there's a good bit of auto-tune and then I just mess with them for a while so I'll be putting delays I'll chop them up so the the vocal sample or um waveform i'll just cut that into bits and like move it ever so slightly into places so it has weird little um stuttery effects which comes from actually i only found this out after i'd finished the album i listened to hybrid theory for the first time in a long time oh, man unreal album got it on vinyl there just a few weeks oh ago. brilliant I yes there's a whole thing i got into vinyl recently and i was like it's one of the first purchases i got i was like this album fucking rules yes it does it rules and it still does it sounds so fucking like like it, it doesn't sound like it's from 2000 or whatever no it's it's just oh it's amazing let's start with hybrid theory for the rest of the episode Probably like we could oh man we could just do this with that because <laughs> i man so much of the production on the album when i heard hybrid theory I was like oh oh that's where i, I really like stuff but all the stutter vocals there's loads of stuttery vocals on hybrid theory and um that was probably the first album i really like knew everything about so i think that that's a big influence on those vocals mm. then knowing from being a melty brains that you can just whack some autotune on something and it's going to sound it's going to all of a sudden become its own little thing regardless of what state you're in singing it i was like oh, okay cool i can do this i can just sing when i need to sing and then mess with it in the computer um, so that's kind of what you're hearing there. It's funny because, like, I mean, like Ringo Starr is like a contentious figure, a divisive figure, but like Auto Tune continues, right? To be, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. It seems to be like, this almost dirty word for for a lot of people, and like, I've never fully understood it, unless of course it's like someone like fucking T Pain, where it's like, okay, cool, that's just like stretching a little bit too far, maybe possibly. But, like, <laughs> are, are people getting mad a bit, like you know, oh boy bands or whatever? I'm like, first of all, I don't care. Like, I mean, like I've never cared too hard. Maybe when I was an angry Lincoln Park living teenager, I was like, well, fuck them. But you know. I, like, I think that like shaping something the way that you do that where especially if, if you're using it number one as you say like to mask some possible deficiencies or to just make it like that bit more interesting and to fit in with this kind of music as well mm-hmm. like a, a dry vocal on this wouldn't work right it would sound mental yeah yeah it'd be mad I don't know yeah I think autotune is I think it gets a bad rap because of the way it's used by people and I think it's often used in a scenario where you can see through the music anyway. And you're like, oh, this isn't for real. This is, um, I know it's just not for real, the music, let's say. And you hear it in those contexts and it's like, oh, well, it's cheating and it's fixing. And it's, I think it's on the path of manipulating a listener. Whereas this stuff or a lot of music with auto tunes, like, well, no, it's just a tool. The same way distortion is a tool. Um 
Yeah, I don't know people get caught up in it, but also it can be uncomfortable to listen to sometimes because like, oh, that just sounds stupid. Yeah. So I think it's all just context and how you exactly. use it. I was about to say, like everything is contextual. And I'm, yeah, like, yeah. You got to be in the mood for it as well. Like, you know. Yeah. You gotta, well, I, I, yeah, I think if this had a dry vocal, it would be... Strange. Yeah, yeah it'd be bad. It, uh, yeah, I think you'd be on the wrong side of pretension there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, you know, it's, it's heartful, but it sounds horrific. Yeah, it wouldn't be what the music needed or wanted or anything like that. So, no, yeah, and I'm not a singer, so it's like, well, if I want vocals on this, they're going to have to be fit in somehow. Yeah. Um, and that's through heavy manipula- manipulation of them. So when you're not, um, you know, looking like an image from a Japanese horror film with, uh, you know, <laughs> duvet over and standing, bashing your head off uh, or against the wall to record this, what is your kind of general setup? I mean, like, are you the kind of person who has like a portable, like a portable kind of setup and like you could be in a hotel room in Japan or you could be in like, you know, in, in like in a studio in West Cork? I mean, like what, where, where was the most of this kind of constructed and what is your general kind of setup in terms of what's in front of you at any given time? Is it all computer-based i mean like or I, I guess what is your kind of general you know home studio it's just the laptop and an akai um i think it's two octaves two and a half octaves the whole album was written on that okay um this, I this laptop from 10 years ago yeah yeah, wow. yeah yeah i got the laptop in college <laughs> um yeah no nothing nothing i have a interface that i used when i was singing i used I think I used a floor tom or a rack tom mic to do the singing because that's what I had. Um, and then just Ableton. Nothing else. But the first and last song and then any of the piano stuff, that would have been recorded um, just with a mic into the into the, um, into the the interface. There's piano on one track that was recorded with the laptop mic on more, which is like it leads with a big... Um, nice piano thing actually no a few of them the piano was just recorded from the mac laptop mic okay because there's times like piano wise where you know something i'm a fiend for is like oh you can you can feel the weight of those keys and i was like i I wondered if you had got like a really nice kind of you know 200 year old piano or something so no no just it's just a piano in my parents house um and i just put the laptop up on top of it and I either had a mic pointing at it for one or two songs, and then the other time was just, I don't have mics, so I'll use that mic. Because again, I was never thinking about making an album, I just yeah, wanted yeah. to record. So, yes, it, it was wasn't just, like some kind of outsider art statement, it was just what I had available. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Change the game. <laughs> Anti-establishment, I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't need anything. And it meant I could work on the album anywhere I went, because... Yeah, yeah, portable tell. Yeah, yeah, if I was in a hotel room, just sit down, my headphones on, and off I go. It was all in Ableton. Um, yeah, no, no studio. No, none of that stuff. All right, I'll have to let Adam Shanahan know about that. He'll be very upset as a man who lives in the studio, but, you know, listen to, like, different structures. Well, I'm sure it'd, like, it, not better, but it'd be a very different album if I had a studio, and I'm sure lots of other stuff happened, but it just wasn't the, uh, wasn't the case. All right, let's take the next track. Another thing that is happening that is very important is that you're breathing. 
This track is called Therapist, and that is not you on the vocal this time, though, is it? It's uh, Alan Watts, I believe? That's Mr. Alan Watts. So he's a, if I have this right, British philosopher, writer and speaker connected with Buddhism and Taoism, bringing that to a wider audience? Is that who? That's exactly, yeah, he's a Zen... Um He's probably Zen master. I don't know. But Zen Buddhism um, and Taoism translated towards Western cultures. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, that's his... Is the, like, like, are you particularly familiar with him, with that? Oh, yeah. Okay, tell yeah. me more. I, like, I don't know for how many years. Like two years, I'd say nearly every single night, I'd listen to a talk from Alan Watts. Um, yeah, he just grounded me an awful lot. I, I, um, I found a lot of... I don't know, just with the things he was saying, I was like, yeah, that's what I feel like about the world or something. He, he confirmed these weird little feelings I had. And it was just when I came across someone else um, saying them and exp- explaining it a lot more eloquently and explaining, like really being like, well, here, you've, you might have found the thread. I'm going to pull the thread. <laughs> and I, I just followed. Um, I just was like, well, where is he pulling it? Um, but he just, I don't know, he, he, listening to him really grounded me and what he is explaining um yeah i think he's just fascinating and i think he's really he's found something quite beautiful um in life and i really gravitated towards it yeah big influence though I always find uh, anything of this kind of nature, any of these teachings or whichever term you want to put on it to be very overwhelming. Um, I've got a very restless brain and mm-hmm. when it comes to like trying mindfulness or meditation or whatever, I tend to follow the first few hurdles. So uh, as someone who I'm guessing is completely into this kind of lifestyle, uh-huh, um, yeah. for someone like me who's like, I love the sound of it, but I feel like I my brain automatically just shuts that door. What do I need to do? Listen to Alan Watts or... I don't know. Um, help me, Michal. Help you. I'm, I'm, I'm not Save qualified me. to do that. I, like, I would say I used to be... Not I used to be. I still am. Restless, mad, fucking... All the things. My mind goes nuts. But I think you you, you have to look for the little experiences. The li- I, I think they're little cookie crumbs along the way where you're like, oh, that was quite nice, though. Like, you, you'll see them and you'll find them and you just, you just wander after them a little bit more. And then it just unfolds in front of you. Um, you got to not criticize that side of yourself, though. You got to because that side of yourself comes along with you, and it's it's really important to some degree to have that side of yourself. Um, I know. I think yeah, we get afraid of the or we latch on to the um, the. We, it's like we latch on to falling at those hurdles because it's a safe place to be. Yeah, no, I know that for sure. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's just as safe on the other side. Wherever it is you go, it's just as safe. Um, maybe it's not. Maybe that's completely terrible advice of me. But I think it's just as safe, um, or it's just as it's it's just as interesting. And if nothing else, it's different. It's different. You know the patterns of those hurdles. Let's say you know that um, experience. You've done it however many times. This is just a different one. Mm-hmm. So it's it it's like trying a different food or something, and it might be nicer. Yeah, I think the his voice in particular, I think, is woven in very, very nicely in this track. And even, like, you know, kind of getting ready to do this today, like, I gave the album one last spin beforehand, and it was, like, the first time, I think, in about a week I'd listened to it when I wasn't listening to it for preparation. I was listening to it to just see if I could switch off and enjoy it, and thankfully I did. I was like, yeah, cool, it, it has that kind of nice, wavy kind of washover effect, and, like, I think tracks like this absolutely help it. The track is called Therapist, and, I mean, it's perhaps a generalizing statement, but I have to presume that music, both as construction and performance, is a huge form of therapy. 
therapy for those who who do it. Uh, when it comes to putting this album in particular together, how did you find it impacted you know yourself in particular? Like I mean, like as I like, I, I know that like taking those kind of pressures off in terms of what it means when it comes out, how it, how it's even packaged together, is clearly something that you had in you you had control of, but putting it out there and kind of getting it done and giving it away now has that even kind of changed in your head at any point or like did this give you any kind of I guess relief or a weightlessness feeling or anything um not like no in a good way I think it's just always been my friend I think the album is or or it's it's been a nice mirror or I can go into moments of my life with the album um, so I, I think putting it out, it's not like um, there's a release of all these emotions with it. I think it's just they are the emotions that are there and were there and will be there. So I think there, it's it's just a nice. Um, it, do you know what it's like? It's almost like it's a little bag that I've been able to put it all into, and I can now carry that bag instead of being that bag as mad as that might sound that's I think what it's done for me I've put the music onto a record and now it lives on that record instead of in me so I guess I've expressed it and let it out there but um I can listen to it and I can yeah yeah it's like being able to see your own mind or something yeah yeah, yeah, that's what it feels like. That's the sound of a man who has obviously uh, a few more hurdles ahead of me. On the, uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just sat doing nothing for well, a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but man, it's what I will say to you is it's lovely mm. when you sit there, and if you find the right, um, I'll send you one of Alan Watts's one because it's the yeah, one that's in the track. He has a guided meditation, and I, the track I had, it was finished, and I was like, but it, it's missing something. It, it isn't doing what I needed to do, and. Um, um, the track is like a um it's what going through therapy was for me that's what the journey was and i didn't mean to write that but i just called it that because it was all around the same time and listen back to him like oh yeah that is what the whole experience of going to therapy was kind of like all these ups and downs yeah totally but then one of the constants with it was alan watts was also there the whole time and i listened to him so i was like well then i should tuck him into it but anyway what i would say to you is if you find a nice one that can just really you don't have to think about not thinking or anything like that, but if you can just think, what does my breath feel like? Even taking one breath can be a really enjoyable experience. And you're like, oh, that was lovely. I didn't know that's what it felt like to breathe. And it's a lovely thing to feel the air going in your nose. And depending on how concentrated you are, like sometimes I'll just get to the top of my nose. Other times I'll get to my chest and I'll fall the air. But when you feel it go in, it's like, oh, that was lovely. Whereas you could be sitting there looking for likes on Instagram, and that's not quite as lovely. No, it's not. <laughs> There's no denying it satisfies you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a little spark of dopamine there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when you sit and you're like, "Okay, that was a nice feeling." Actually, that was nice. So, like, that's what I say to you. Just think about that. Okay. That there might be. A, you're not trying to fix anything. You're not gonna. That video that you say is restless. Um, it's not gonna go anywhere I can't imagine so no. no 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 but you don't want it to go anywhere either yeah it's still me right yeah yeah but you can also add in this extra like oh god yeah but it's also nice to have a breath so one thing that I totally can connect to based on what you just said there in terms of like you were saying Alan Watts was, was with you through like therapy process and stuff I mean like I find that like when I used to like like I 
I've just finished the therapy process, but it was all on Zoom. Mm -hmm. So I found that physically going to and physically coming from therapy was actually part of the ritual. And I would have playlists or whatever I was listening to that day would kind of be a connector as well. I mean, like, which I like, I think that you you can have those, whether it's like a, a podcast or a piece of music, it can have that weird kind of almost chapter milestone for you mm-hmm. and i guess like i mean listen i mean like it's something i've been writing about talking down the podcast forever whether it's my own or whether it's others the idea of music and mental health in particular that kind of combination because i do find that they occupy a very interesting kind of unique intimate space and even when we dermot on the show forever ago like i flat out asked him i was like how's your head and it's one of those things where i never want to pry or ask like too direct a question but i guess you know Michal Quinn, like, 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 how is your general kind of sense of self now, especially at this point? Because you like, like, even like, I went on your website the other day, and I was like, Christ, I was like, there's so much here. I was like, <laughs> I was like he's restless, you know? I was yeah, like, yeah, completely. Oh yeah, yeah. No, uh, there's all this energy that I have, and I have to use it. Otherwise, I'll, I don't know what'll happen. So yeah, yeah, I'm just always doing always stuff, moving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think then my reaction to that is to forcefully sit myself down and sit in silence it's it's good discipline to have with yourself that I know I could run and run and run for a few days straight like I on tour I do gigs where I, the gig would get you so high that I wouldn't sleep for like two days and I'd be like right, I can do the next gig and I can sleep for like a couple hours in the day and just plow on to the next show so I know I can do that but it's not um it doesn't bring you the most joy doing that it doesn't it doesn't it's not um it's not worth it, I don't think. So I've had to add a lot of discipline with myself. Be like, well, no one's going to look after you. It's on you, Michal. So how are you going to look after yourself? Um, so, yeah, no, I, I'm quite a restless person, but I also make a big effort to not be restless and to learn how to not be restless. How's my state of mind? Um, ropey, I would say. Um, I have good days and bad days at the moment. Um like pretty anxious the last while and I'm not really sure why but just quite anxious um, man I've been like not to hijack you but like no, I've, been, I've been fucking wound up like a like like a tight snare drum for the last couple of days even like today I was like I woke up today and I was like I just felt like like I, I woke up yesterday and I knew straight away I was like today's a write-off I was like today's just a write-off I was like I can't do anything I know that I'm going to be sitting and staring into space and just like waiting for the time to go back to bed and took mm-hmm. errors or whatever it's going to be and then today I woke up again and I was just like I just feel not with it and like you know it's weird because like all day I was like oh, I gotta go and do a fucking interview and I know it's mm. going to be good I know Michal's like a, a talker and a sound guy but I've I, like all day I've been like I'm, I feel like I'm gonna have to act. I feel like I'm gonna have to like win a fucking Academy Award with my performance here. But like, <laughs> thankfully, since we've got going, I actually have come down a lot and relaxed a lot, and I'm enjoying this. But like, yeah, I just I've those days where like it really feels like someone's got a fucking drum key on the side of your fucking on your temple, mm-hmm. just cranking it and cranking it and cranking it, and I'm like, ah, why? Yeah, yeah. Trying to do the the right things and, and trying to be positive, and yeah, some days it just beats me. Yeah, no, you you can't you can't win. Or you can't beat it. You can just go with it. Yeah, something I've been doing lately is being like, all right, well, I do feel these things. All right, that's that. Off I go. I feel them. And then you're like, oh, grand, that's what they feel like. And you you, you lose the air uh, wrapped up in trying not to feel like them. Um, something is like when you're in, and it's it's easier said than done. But when you're in a one of those hectic spaces where you're just like, fuck. If you just sit down and watch your breath, it's unbelievable how different things are at the other end of it, even if it's 10 minutes. 
because I think you're you there's it's it's this energy that is there and you it can't it can't go nowhere and if you don't look at it or express it I think one or the other it just stays in there I think looking at it gives it the attention it's after and it goes okay right that's what that looks like I can care for it now because when when you're not paying attention to it you just sort of hate it and you you hate on it and that's walking down the path of um like self-loathing to go the grandiose version of it because you don't like that bit of yourself whereas when you just sit with it you realize that you you do really like yourself even if you don't admit it to yourself you're mad about yourself in in some way and um you just want the best for yourself so when that hectic stuff is happening and you just sit with it it's like someone just sitting and going that's okay i like that about you and uh, and then it makes it easier then when you go and you're like oh okay I'm still that but like at least I like it now or at least I, I haven't told it that it's bad um, and it'd be great if it, like it's not that it fixes things it, it doesn't um, it doesn't like undo them and you can fall into the trap of that because I do regularly like, I still, like I'll be like oh maybe I fixed it now and then the next day you're like oh there's my stomach again my yeah, stomach's exactly. turning in circles yeah, I've dealt with it you know yeah yeah it's like no 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 you just I kept it at bay yeah I think it's just part of being here it's just energy like, yeah yeah and I find that like when it is that level of negative energy I'm just like I can't do anything with this and that's what drives me crazy because yeah yeah because like, it can be a wall in front of you as opposed to like a tool to push and, yeah and I'm just like I can't do anything with this there's nothing I, like all I have to do is wait for it to pass and that's just fucking time and that's just like thing thing on top of thing on top of thing and then you got these mild little stuff where you're like oh no that's actually a good thing and like that keeps me distracted for like 30 minutes or whatever and then mm-hmm. I'm just like back at it but yeah I think you got a very true thing there when you said like you know, it can be very hard to admit to yourself that you're actually good, you know? Yeah, when yeah. I start to, when I start to come out with this kind of stuff and I feel a bit better, I almost don't want to admit it. I almost feel a weird sense of almost, I don't know if it's shame or guilt or just like oh, bashfulness or something. And again, for someone who's like so open about this kind of stuff as I am, I always go back to a time when I remember seeing like Colin Farrell do an interview on Jonathan Ross years ago and he got really like poetic about something and about someone dying and how he's like, you, how you, you know, he's like, you can't help but internalize that and take it on and almost make it about you in that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, the way he said it, it made so much beautiful sense. And I was like, is this like an Irish thing? Is this, or is this like a, like, like, is this a specifically, I don't know. I mean, like, I think ultimately, like if you don't advertise it and you don't use it and exploit it, like, and there's nothing on this album that would suggest that that's the path that you took in any way. Uh Mostly, as you say, like you're, you're having this conversation with yourself, like that's the communication issue. So like it's, and but yeah, even that like opens up all this weird strain of like, you don't want to admit those things. You don't want to actually say like there. Yeah, because there there can be times when you fucking wallow. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's it's it's, it's life is tough. Like it's 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 hard going sometimes to do what we're all doing, whatever it is we're all doing. It's it's not easy. Um, yeah, and it, it can get really hard on you. But it's it's just it's good not to or to try not identify with it so much because it, it it can it can just grab you and then you're you could have something very very beautiful or i don't know everyone has something to like to share or we all i don't know it's it's everyone's just great really and um <laughs> when you get caught in those places it, it can swallow you up and you don't get to share yourself with other people or something but I, or at least that's what i think but I, yeah but I, but i do think on a track like this 
like in particular this one like when you kind of like you're putting your kind of your guy out there your guru mm-hmm. in amongst your creation your music and that does feel like sharing that does feel yeah yeah I think yeah he helped me an awful lot and I guess I, I, I'd be open enough with how I feel about things the w- way the way my, my mind goes and um, yeah if there was someone out there who's like well how does he how does he look so happy all the time like well I'm not happy all the time but like these are the things that helped me maybe they'll help you and as well, yeah, it, it was nice to have him in there to help me as I listened to the track. I was like, oh yeah, guide me into this. Like, tell me what I need to do. track number five so around halfway through the album now it's purple brackets all alone so colors is the name of the album purple is the name of the song and each track that you've done has the individual artworks as well so they're all very very colorful but i saw when you put a post uh that you mentioned that you're colorblind which i did not know uh, and i can only plead ignorance on this because i don't know what that is in terms of like severity or like what the story is so was that a, was this a case of challenging your own kind of perception or kind of leaning into that relationship and again like i say please forgive me because i simply don't know what it means to be colorblind beyond the fucking name so Uh it's not like you know i don't have 20 20 vision or anything but like i don't know what that is for a for for a person on a day-to-day or whatever so was it about confronting something or is this just kind of like a no it was more about expressing it than confronting it no i i love it i it's it's a really um it's it's just yeah, no, not about confronting it at all, about expressing it and being like, well, this is what it's like from my point of view. How do you describe it? Like, it, this is a good one. I, I used to, when I'd be in school, draw on pictures of people or colouring them in. Like nine times out of ten, they'd be bright green. And I'd have picked up what I thought was the skin colour um, crayon or whatever, or the grass would be orange, the sky might be purple. So it's just a bit of, um, when I was a kid, the phrase that was used was colour colour confusion. And I don't know where that came from because I can't even find that on the internet. So I think maybe my parents just came up with it. But it's it's essentially just being a little confused as to what colours you're looking at. Like not knowing whether it's red or brown or green. Um, so that's what colourblind is. And when that feed in, feeds into my art that I'd make, it means I might throw together combinations that are either awful or that you'd never think of that actually turn out to be really great or are just a bit weird um, not good or bad either way but I think it, 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 it's kind of freed me a little bit from the uh, the rules of what colours things are because um, they aren't that to me and I don't know what they are so I'm a bit more free I think of of that um, and then the reason it got attached to the album I, re- I made the album artwork back in like 2015 I think I, I was just messing about with some stuff on my laptop and I made that art and I thought it was cool and then I was working on the music and I, I, I always think songs have a specific colour that you can hear very clearly when you're listening to them you're like oh yeah that song's red that song's blue that song's green the, the atmosphere that a colour creates around you I thought songs also create that atmosphere and if you pay attention, you can... So see the way there's that colour light up there? There would be a piece of music we could listen to that, that would be that atmosphere, that feeling. So I thought then, 
oh well if I'm colorblind that's kind of interesting because I don't know what color it is the song is I, I have an idea in my head so if, if I can try find pieces of art that I've made and then work them into the album artwork to represent the song I, I just thought it was kind of interesting to be like this is I'm pretty sure this is the color I'm seeing in my head when I listen to that music what color is it um, and see if I was getting it right or not or or it didn't even matter if I was getting it right I don't think but that's where the colours played into it. Okay. I mean, I think the idea of like a physical way of connotating music is something I, I always lean towards. I mean, like, and that's why like the records and the songs I love the most tend to, first of all, I, I, I tend to not be able to capture the words the way I perfectly want them to. That's always like the, the, the reviewer's burden. I'm always like, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. really good. Now I'm screwed. You know, <laughs> that's a that's a problem. But like, I always come back to like the idea of something feeling like intrinsic or like, you know, like a physical, I like, I can feel it first, you know, I can, before I can describe it. And I'm not saying it's directly the same thing, but like when you were saying that I was like, that's what I would, like, that was kind of my, my gut reaction there was like the idea of music as, as a physicality thing, as like a visceral experience. And like, I think that's the most exciting thing. Mm-hmm. when you are like you know to use kind of you know the, like your analogy from earlier on about like the bag like carrying something around with you that way like that's what I love the most with music is, is when it feels like a like a like a conversation and I'm like physically moving in a space with it or something which mm-hmm. is and like I, I think that is all over this record I mean like I think that you've made an album here that does have you know I guess the potential for you to project yourself onto it and to also, you know, paint walls with it, which is, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like maybe that's just true of good electronica, but I think it's kind of it, like, it's, it's present on instrumentals. It's present. Like even when you hear your, your, your voice kind of floating in here again as well, which is like, you got that kind of insistent thing, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, which I wonder if like, you know, the, I feel good thing. First of all, I presume recorded the same way as the previous vocal. Uh, this one was done during the lockdown last year. Um, the vocals were the track was done uh, who knows how long 2016 or 14 or something it was an even year Um, but (laughs) the uh, the vocals were done in the bedroom in my parents house um, at who knows what time very quietly so that again no one would hear me Um, yeah yeah the vocals I was listening to a lot of Chemical Brothers at the time and I think that kind of spurred on the repetition but the idea behind it was being like I feel good I feel good I feel good and if you keep saying that it loses a bit of its meaning and it's like well what does there's and it's weird there's only a few lines in this song but there's um it means a good bit to me anyway that like you start off feeling good and uh and then you just feel good you feel it out you feel it out and then with I I feel very good alone I like being on my own um I I enjoy my own company and I I'd spend a good bit of time on my own or I'd I'd crave time on my own if I'm not getting it. So then it turned into, oh, I wrote a whole poem and this is just a few of the lines out of it. So then I was like, oh, I feel good all alone. Like, I feel good all alone. And then I explored that and I was like, if you're not careful though, you're just going to end up all alone. And that was where we ended up. To explain it like entirely on the nose, that's what it is. It was just where you'll end up if you're not careful. Like, mm-hmm. if you just overindulge what it is you're, you think is good for you, it might not bring you to the right place, which is what this was about. It was like, oh yeah, no, the the things I thought, um, I didn't know what was best 
That's balance, though, isn't it? I mean, like, it's impossible to have a perfect, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I love, like, I didn't forever. I don't know how it was for you, but, like, I hit a point there, I think, in the last kind of four or five years where I really like my own company, despite everything that we said previously. Despite, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Despite having that fucking, you know, self, th- those days of just beating the shit out of yourself. I really love chilling out on my own. And it's not a weird hermit thing. It's not a weird isolation, antisocial thing, because I fucking love my friends. You know, in a in a non-pandemic world, I, you know, love going to the pub, all that kind of stuff. You know, like, I, I think I am very sociable, but I've really grown to enjoy my own company. And I didn't for a long time. And if anything, I love that now. I love that I have that feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the balance is always off, right? It's just never. Yeah, yeah. you're always like, oh no, I haven't <laughs> seen anyone. Although no, no one's seen anyone for ages now. Um, but that was where those vocals came from. But yeah, they, and as well, I was like, there's a kind of sarcasm with the I feel good. Just saying it over and over. It's like, it doesn't sound like you feel very good, man. <laughs> I was kind of leaning into that as well. Yeah. Chemical Brothers is an interesting one. Was there any other acts in particular that kind of had an influence on this or maybe push you in a different direction? On this song, uh, Bon Iver, um, again, the third album, where there's just bits of sound all over that album. There's bits of noise and... Um, it's, it sounds very messy, like he didn't clean up the project files or, or something. And I love that. And it, it made me it made me be like, oh yeah, it's okay to have just shit thrown all over the place. Just just leave it there. Um, so that was, a, weirdly, Bonnie Iver was a big influence on that track. Just in the production, I think. Um, yeah, but musically, this one as well, I don't really know where it came from. Um, lots of different places, I think. Bit of Snarky Puppy with the big, the lead line being on the bass synth. I think that was a Snarky Puppy influence. Um, the yeah, I don't, I don't know what the musical influence is on. Well, I guess whether it's this track or whether it's any other ones. I mean, like, are there times when you're putting something together and you're like, right, that is definitively my thing. I wouldn't put this in Melty Brains. I wouldn't put this with Enemies if if that project was still going. I wouldn't put it with Dermot. Like, or do you ever have that kind of, oh, that could work really well on, you know, this thing we have coming up with these guys in this room. Like, are you able to just kind of split that off quite quickly or does that ever become a bit of a conversation? Um, well, with Melty Brains, no, I've never, I, I think I've brought one song I wrote. We don't really write like that. Or at least I don't write like that in, in the band. I don't bring my music to us. Um, cause I think it's, I, I write it for me and I am, I'm real, um, a bit of a control freak. And if I had a piece of music I wrote, I'd find it hard to bring it to Melody Brain's brain specifically and, uh, let it go into the lad's hands. Cause it would more blow it up. Yeah. 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 And it would like, no doubt it would be much more interesting and, uh, it would be great, but it's just not something I've ever done. A good few of the piano tracks on this album were written back when Durham and I were like, doing the band thing and I was like just coming up with lots of ideas to get him to sing on um, but there's just a few of the ones that just we never went anywhere with um, and I kept them for myself then um, but no I never if I'm writing something well so far anyway I've never felt like I should really write music for other people I just like to write it and then it's mine because um, I'm a control freak <laughs> <laughs>
That track is called More. It was the first one I heard from from this project. It was the first one that was sent to me around Christmas time, I think. Uh, I feel sometimes like with these clips, um, you know, 30 seconds, 40 seconds that we play, it can do an artist a disservice. And I think with some of these tracks, like you really do need to feel the whole thing. So it's it's hard to kind of give the listener like a sense of, you know, there's so much more going on and like there's a big fucking like crescendo in this that comes along and it, so much of that I think requires the build and the release. Um, in terms of a song being like X amount of time, is that ever a consideration or are you just like, it is what it is? Like, I mean, it, like, it takes as long as it takes and it can be, it can be six minutes and it could take five minutes for it to kick in. Cause like, I, I think there's a good variant on this. I mean, I think some, some songs are more immediate and some of them do kind of require that level of patience. Ironically enough, that level of actually, you know, kind of almost guided meditation, like switching off and just letting it take you over. And this is definitely one of those ones for me anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think for the most part, it was like, the song is going to do what the song is going to do. Like, just need to, make sure it's there so i yeah I, i'd sit with them for like i how many i counted 229 separate bounces of the album uh or not the whole not the whole album but of like so like one song there was 50 different bounces of one song there'd be like 30 bounces of um because i'll bounce it and i'll sit and listen and i'm just looking for that feeling of comfort being like is this section gone on too long or is this section do i want another bit of this section and whatever the feeling is, that determines how long it's going to be. So, uh, yeah, no, there's no, um, this can't be longer than five minutes. Although the second last song, Thoughts, that was originally like a four or five minute, very different song. But I only had 30, 32 minutes of music, I think. And it was like, albums are 40 minutes, meal. you got to figure out a way to write an eight minute song here. <laughs> so I, t- I wrote that one into an eight minute track specifically to... <laughs> to fill the time to get that beautiful symmetry to make it long enough yeah yeah but I also there was no very long song in the album I thought there, there's a good bunch of long songs yeah, it, the, the, there's no like 25 minute no no like emperor type situation or anything but no there's no um, no no you just you just listen to the music and see what feels like the right amount of time I think it comes from going to like dance music and electronic gigs with good good DJs and good um, artists who know how to keep you in the groove long enough and then when they let you out of the groove, it's the right time if they're yeah. getting it right. And I was just looking for that in a solo listening experience, being yeah, like, yeah. is this the right length of time you for that? the release. Like, I mean, like, it's like, like whether it's like 65 Days of Static or Fuck, or fuck Buttons or whoever, it's like, you want to you, you want to jump ahead and you want to get to that moment of euphoria. But like, if you don't actually sit in it for the first four or five minutes, it doesn't have the same effect. Yeah, it's, it's just that, yeah, they, they only burst because of, the build up to them. So I see the patience that, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And then it feels unbelievable, but yeah, but there, there is that thing in here where you're like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And like, that's exciting too. Um, this track though is obviously a particularly personal one. Um, I, do you want to kind of get into? Yeah, yeah we can go into it. Yeah. Of so course. This was written when you were on tour with enemies and I believe your aunt passed away. Kind of. It, it was the piano idea. It was one I, I had for Dermot years ago when we were sending ideas back and forth. And for this piano was recorded into the laptop mic and I spent, I don't know how long trying to make it sound all right from not peaking. And there's lots of when you, when you know, and you listen to it, you'll hear just the sound dies for a second because I couldn't get rid of the scratch. I was like, I'll just sidechain it to an empty kick. So it just sounds a bit interesting. I hope there's some producers listening to this who are like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, like, this guy doesn't know how to make music. <laughs> Shouldn't be on his own. But um, so yeah, it was a piano idea, and yeah, I was on tour with Enemies, and my auntie had been sick for a while, 
And then she passed away when we were in, where were, we were in Austin for South by Southwest on the second last day. It was, it was actually the 16th of March. So it was only last week. And, um, I was like, do I come back for the funeral? Cause I'm about to go on tour. And everyone in my family was like, no way do you come back for the funeral? Like, you know, your auntie, like music was what you were to her. Like that's all she ever did was encourage that. And so they're like, the last thing she'd want is you getting on a plane to come home, to stand in the church, to mourn her. She's like, everyone was like, go and play your music. That's what you're supposed to do. But they played that piano piece. They asked if I had a piece of music written and recorded that could be played at the funeral. So I had that piano piece and um, I sent that on and that was played. At, I, don't, I don't know which bit of the mass, but it was played. Um, so then I, I had it for a long time just as an ambient piece. and I was like, that's always going on the album. It, and it was only about a minute and a half long. It was pretty much just the intro. And in November last year, I was showing Kieran, who plays bass with Dermot, a bunch of the music, being like, I think I might have like close to a releasable bit of music here. And I showed him that track. And he was like, yeah, it's it's, it's real nice. I'd love to hear a beat on it, though. Like, it's just a nice piano thing, but I wonder what you'd do with a beat. And we had two days off in Stockholm, and I was wrecked, so I didn't leave my hotel room. <laughs> and I made I turned it into that track. So I was like, right, I'll put a beat on it. So the day before I went into my hotel room, it was just the intro piano. And then when I left the hotel room, the rest of the song was there without the lyrics. And um, then again, lockdown last year, I think that was when I added the lyrics. Um, but yeah, it's about my auntie. And well, it's about two things. It, uh, what's it I've seen between the scenes? Oh yeah, the first bit is about... Uh, meditating and other stuff and seeing potentially through something and like trying to deal with the fact that you might just have seen through reality for a second whether it means you lost your mind for a bit or or you had just some very interesting little experience but just having I don't know yeah yeah tied in with with my auntie and her passing um and then yeah the next bit's just about her and yeah it's pretty much a poem about her I guess um, or my my reaction to her passing and what it like how wh- what happened to me after that in terms of my mind and my ideas about about life and death. It's a really, <laughs> it's a really beautiful thing though. I mean, like it's obviously so personal, and you know, it's you can't graft that experience onto anyone else, or, or like no, like no listener can, even though. But it's it, it it's so vulnerable, like giving that like giving that up. And I mean, I guess it must have been an incredibly hard decision despite the fact that you had the support of everyone and very much the instruction of everyone to be like keep going but the fact that you were there in some capacity as well is an incredibly like touching thing like like i I hope that gave you something that you're able to yeah it was it was nice but do you know what actually i was uh we did a gig that night or the net the following night we had to do a gig in wichita i think yeah wichita in kansas and um, that gig was very tough. But I remember talking to some random man after it and um, he just thought it was brilliant and he really enjoyed it. And I explained where I was at. So I like, sorry, I can't really talk right now. I'm, I'm pretty upset. And um, I explained my auntie had passed away and he was like, no shit. He was like, well, I can tell you she was there tonight. And it, whether she was or not, I don't know. But I wrote it down in a little book and um, I don't know. Yeah, it was... It was and I, I've kind of carried that ever since, which is why I'm okay talking about it because I, I I carry her very close, 
and I am um, she's been on all of it with me anyway so I'm quite happy to tell people about her I want people to know about her because she encouraged me so much as a kid she thought being a musician was really cool and and bands were like a really cool thing and they were valuable and worthwhile and it was really deeply ingrained in me that like oh yeah being in a band isn't like being a waste or anything like that it's a very important thing to do um so I, I i like to just it's as if i'm saying back to her like hey i you're just as valuable or or uh, i don't know yeah yeah i just really love her i guess and i want her to be part of things she made this happen like yeah, she, yeah. she made all her, her name is mora so that's where the song name came from i was just like oh well i can't call it mora because that's not really a word people are gonna guess so i was like i'll just take it off the uh <laughs> that's the name of the song <laughs> Again, incredibly Irish. I mean, um, I have to say, like, I mean, like that that thing, like, like that the guy after the gig, uh, that's so fucking sweet. Like, you know, oh, it was a beautiful thing for someone to yeah say to someone, yeah. And it sounds like you know, again, even if it's a thing to say, like, I mean, it sounds like he meant it, and like he clearly was just trying to like put you in a place where you felt better. Um, on the subject though of touring, like, I mean, again, you've like you've been around. I mean, how do you find those moments or like post-show or even just going from place to place and kind of, you know, just like whether it's, you know, having no downtime or maybe having a couple of days off and having stuff to do. I mean, like, I often wonder what that life is like and what kind of toll it takes on you, but also like how much of the world you do get to see and how many individuals you get to kind of encounter. Like, again, there's a romance to that as well, but I'd imagine there's probably a lot of sleepless nights too, so. Mm, yeah, no, a lot. Oh, a lot. Of, it's, it's funny, I'd never... I've never heard and I've never described them as like, oh, a lot of sleepless nights, but my God, there's a lot of sleepless nights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're in a hotel room and you just can't get to sleep and then you've ruined your hotel sleep and you're back on the bus and you can't sleep on the bus because it's going 60 miles an hour. Um, it's a wild life. It's, it's wild. Like, it's, it's... You're living on a bus with 10 other people. Um, like, there was... I remember one night going to bed and I went to bed before everyone and I put my earplugs in and I remember being like... And then I woke up and so when I was going to bed, everyone was up having a bit of a party. So it was pretty loud on the bus. I went to bed and I woke up. I woke up late. Everyone was up having the breakfast. And I've just been like, I went to bed listening to all those sounds. And now I've woken up eight hours later, however long later, and they're still there. And that is my existence. Christ. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go insane. And um, I think you do go insane. I think you lose the plot along the way a few times. But luckily, we all are there for each other. Everyone talks a lot and, like, we check in with each other. It's a really beautiful family to tour with. Um, yeah, you meet a lot of people, a lot of people. Um, and it's wonderful because I think my one of my favourite things about it is meeting different people everywhere you go. Um, yeah, I just love interacting with people, whether it has anything to do with music or it's just in a city and there's, there's nothing to do while you're there and you're just talking to them. Yeah. And I was going to say it's cool that you get to meet people you'd never meet, but I feel like you could do that by not leaving a city anyway. Just, For sure, yeah. It's just easier when you're on tour because you don't have a choice. Yeah. If you post about like a cool bar in a friendly place in the world or something, you could become part of the furniture. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, do you have your own kind of fans at this stage, I wonder? Like, are there hardcore Michal, like, yeah, like the group of Dermot Kennedy fans that... that uh, yeah, there are. There are a bunch of people who I recognize on a popping up on my Instagram the whole time and I see them over and over I don't I like I don't know who they are and I don't um, they're doing the way I see it is they're doing their own thing yeah and it has something to do with me (laughs) Um, yeah yeah there's a little splinter group is a good way of putting it Um, 
But no, I don't. I like. I, 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 I'm not trying to knock them. I don't think about it very much. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing. But I mean, like the communication must be so difficult. I mean, like, like how do you? First of all, there's only so many hours in the day. Second of all, social media and or that kind of stuff is like very. I guess difficult to kind of compartmentalize. I mean, you're a friendly guy, but you know, you you, you need your own kind of personal space. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I like it. Just must be interesting, like whichever act you're with or whatever you're doing, like to just kind of be in these places and feel that kind of, you know, that kind of. I guess that strange frequency you get from an audience i mean like i mean enemies alone must have brought you to some really kind of interesting kind of like i'm, I'm, I'm picturing like club gigs on the other side of the mm. world just like hardcore math rock fans and all that kind of stuff i mean it just must be like a really interesting kind of coterie of of human beings along the way well do you know with the, with the music i've i've played it always draws very passionate fans like with Dermot, there are fans who are just as passionate as the ultra nerdy math rock guys with enemies who you think you couldn't outdo their passion. So I think I'm, I'm yeah, I, I wander around a very passionate world a lot of the time where it's people who are, whatever it is, it means an awful lot to them. Which is quite cool because it, it, like, I'd be like that anyway. Stuff means a lot to me that I engage with, but it also teaches me how to let something mean a lot to me because I see it in all these different places around the world that are different but it's the same thing it's like oh yeah yeah something meaning a lot to someone is it's, it's touching something um yeah it's 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 really cool just to get to always be dealing with passion i guess passion coming from people yeah you meet a lot of very interesting people and i try to keep in touch with them like i i, I keep up my uh my relationships with people i meet along the way i think because it's I don't know, they're they're great, they're really cool people you meet. Yeah. But you also have to be very careful with how much energy you're exchanging and how much you're giving of yourself. Yeah. Because you can... I've been there where I'm empty and I've given it all yeah, away. so much, yeah. Yeah, there's none left for you then and you've then you're no use to yourself or to anyone else. So you have to figure out ways to look after yourself to keep yourself together so it, you can be useful. It sounds like it's a good time for an interlude and luckily we have one up next. So let's, oh, yeah. Let's hit it. That is track number seven. It's called Never Ending Fall Away. Um, fall Anyway. Uh, fall Anyway. I hope it says Fall Anyway. I, 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 well, I, I may have been my mistake, but I, I did write this down as Fall Away, but we'll, we'll, we'll go with Fall Anyway because it's, it's your song. <laughs> I just opened Spotify and it's, it's named wrong. I'm like, Never oh, Ending oops. Fall Anyway. It's probably me completely fucking it. <laughs> I hope wrong. so. Happens on occasion, like this one right now. Um, I guess tying in from the last thing I want to say, though, I mean, in terms of, you know, because this is a nice moment for an interlude, well, the passion that you get from an audience can you give me a couple of gigs that you've been to or a couple of shows that you've you've gone to where you were that guy where you were just like this is the greatest night of my life <laughs> who's on the stage where were you uh, Snarky Puppy um, I don't know so many of their shows they did two in Dublin in the Sugar Club um, yeah I was I was that guy I was oh my god they're just the greatest thing ever <laughs> Once they're playing, yeah, 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 Snarky Puppy. Um, 
John Hopkins at um, which John Hopkins gig do I pick? Oh, I've I've been lucky enough to see John Hopkins a few times now, and his shows like I only saw him once was at Vicar Street, and it was great. But like I was like sitting on the balcony having a few pints, and I kind of was like, I feel like I should probably be in the front row. Oh yeah, yeah, something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. John Hopkins used to stand there and just be like. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, but I didn't quite get the full... Yeah, I felt like I was almost like in an opera house or something, just like being like a stuffy spectator. And mm-hmm. it was like, oh, this kind of music, again, is so physical that I feel like I need to physically react to it, and I couldn't. Yeah, 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 that's absolutely true. But yeah, John Hopkins, I'd be that guy at. Um, Blur. Oh, man, Blur. Uh, what year did they play Electric Picnic? Oh, is it 15? It's got to be 2013, 2014, Yeah, one of those. One of those years. So I'd never listened to Blur when I was a kid. Um, and then in 2013 or 14, me and my friend Jack just got like mad into them out of nowhere. And they just became our everything. And he got me a hoodie. We coined the phrase, what would Alex James do? <laughs> and it was our way to make decisions, which was a terrible idea. Some terrible decisions were made for a few years. Um because we'd be up to something and then we'd be like, should we do that? And then we're like, well, what would Alex James do? And the answer is always he'd do it. <laughs> um, it was from reading his book. But anyway, I had a sweatshirt with that on it and we made our way to the front, the very front of Electric Picnic. Having, we were at John, oh, we were at John Hopkins just before it and everything. Incredible. Um, I'm pretty sure if I have that right. We went what to see John nice. Hopkins. Yeah, yeah. Um, Melty Brains played first, then John Hopkins on some other stage and then Electric Pic- the main stage was Blur. But we got up to the very front. Jack got me up on his shoulders with my hoodie, and with my hoodie, and um, I was uh, I was enjoying myself. And um, <laughs> someone texted me, was like, "I just saw you on the big screen," and I was like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, you're up on the big screen." And I was there wearing my hoodie, just like adoringly looking at the lads on stage, completely oblivious to the fact that I was even on the screen. And um, yeah, yeah, that one, that I was like a super fan at that. That was class. Incredible. Yeah. I did loads and loads of gigs, but yeah, yeah. There's been some Bonnie Verbs. I could list off hundreds of gigs. Oh, now. listen, I mean, like, uh, bonus material for the, for, for the Patreon, I suppose. We, uh, we'll keep here for another <laughs> half an hour. Um, I guess, like, in terms of interludes, intermissions or whatever, even, like, a, like, like at a live show or something, um, what, what are those moments like for you when you kind of, before an encore, for example, like, when you're, you know let's go off stage for five seconds because I'm always like like as an audience member it's always like that weird moment where you're like it's this it's, it's this wonderful age old contract that we have with the performer <laughs> where you're like they're gonna do it and they're gonna come back up. like it's rare that you don't see it like Explosions in the Sky an act that I fucking adore and have seen live numerous times they never do an encore and I've been at shows where at the end of it people have gotten mad but like Again, for someone who, like, you know, I watch you at a show, you're behind the kit, you're very, very animated, uh, which, uh, like I say, elevates the experience. I always enjoy it. I know Dahi always enjoys it. Rugby tackle over the couch, or no. <laughs> um, when you have to stop and bail off for, like, that kind of 30 seconds to a minute thing, wh- like, where's your head out there? Or is it just well, like... With Dermot, we don't do encores. We don't do encores. We don't do encores, no. no. My ignorance. No, you know, no, we don't. Um, yeah, it's funny as you were talking, I was like, oh, I'd like to know, too, what you might go through during that point. Wow. No, we don't do encores. We just get up do what we need to do and then you leave and I don't think people feel um, out of it or anything yeah because I think we play everything um, and Dermot just is he's a focused guy so I think you get the idea oh yeah we're in this 
and now it's done. Okay, that makes sense. Also, yeah, it's been so long since I've been to a gig that I'm like, I've completely forgotten. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, but you'd, I, I feel like even you'd imagine we do do encores because there is that kind of... It's conventional. Like, it's so expected. It's yeah. Beaten no, we just, th- no, there is a song in the middle of the set that I don't play. Um, there's no drums in it. And depending on the night, like, I'll just sit there um, and it's absolutely lovely to just sit and listen to a piece of music to sit and be the drummer on stage and be like, oh yeah, here I am. Like, I'm, this is where I am. This is nice. Some nights I get up and I go to the bathroom and uh, <laughs> though that's in it. That might be the closest to an encore is because once I'm standing off stage before I go back on, I'm just like, this is mad. Like, I'm just, I'm just a lad standing here. There's like, however many people out there watching the gig, there's my friend singing his songs and I'm about to go play those drums. And you just sort of analyze everything a little bit and it's, it's it's just a bit mad. And then a part of your brain is like, what if I don't go back on today? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to think that. And you're like, what if I just didn't go back? What would happen? And I think Dermot would be like, what the fuck, man? Like, what are you playing at? So I've never done it. Because <laughs> Dermot gives me a good bit of... He trusts me, I think. But I think it means it's on me. If I do something mad, he has no problem being like... Tell me what you thought. Like, what did you think? <laughs> so yeah, he, he yeah. Tell me that your response is, "What would Alex James do, man?" It's not that. <laughs> like, I was just trying to have a bit of fun or something. But no, we rarely get there because I know, I know myself. I know the line that's a little bit too far, and I just put my foot on the other side of that line, and I go, "I'm okay. I can bring my foot back onto the side that isn't too far." Um, now there was one night where I was taking the piss a little too much, and afterwards I went up to him, was like, "I could tell." And I was like, man, I'm sorry. And he was like, well, yeah, like, what are you doing? You know that that's just stupid. Is this just like too many drum flourishes or? Uh, what was I doing? He was at the start of a song. He started singing and I have a mic that everyone can hear. But no, it's just for the crew and the band to communicate stuff. And I just started tapping along with him while he was singing. And he was just like, fuck off. <laughs> like, that's not funny. And it's, yeah, he's probably right. But I was having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. But no, it, it's not a, It's not like it's a thing that ever happens. But I think there's just an un, understood, um, unspoken... We know where the line is. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, let's take track out. It's the penultimate track on the record. It's called Thoughts, and it's just bass, 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 bass. <laughs> I love it. Uh, how much is too much? I mean, like, do you find yourself in positions where you're like, okay, I need to fucking rein myself in here? Or is, is this, again, a project where you're like, I can do whatever the hell I want. This is great. In terms of the bass? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess just like... like not like like how do you stop yourself from overloading really because there's there is a lot going on in pretty much every track here and this one in particular i think like has those kind of moments of just like you know they can catch you off guard in a good way but like you know i don't know if it was me i'd be like i'll just put this in here and this one let's just have 72 tracks on this why not (laughs) yeah no there's no uh this one there was no um conscious restraining myself like i no, no, no. I wanted to go as far as I wanted to go. I wanted to know what it was I could do. I wanted to know how to do what I thought I could do. And I was like, off you go, me. I'll figure it out. Um, no, there was no, like, 
making myself pull it back. I was just, I just wanted to do what I wanted to do, I think. Yeah, yeah, just let myself at it. There's, um, I think there's quite a sense of finality on this one as well. I mean, there's times when I listen to this track and I actually forget that there's one more because like this, this one almost feels like a very definitive full stop. Mm-hmm. You get like the credits of the coda, which we can get into when we get into the last track. But like this one, I think felt like a proper 360 experience in that way, like a real kind of like there's a narrative here. Like there's obviously a narrative on the album overall, but this one kind of I think stands on its own as a bit of a short story. Um, how long did you have this one as well? Like, like how old is this track in terms of? Um, what and what kind of changes were made to it before it was ready well this one was again like the piano was around 2015 or 14 or something like that and it was actually the first track i ever worked on on my own where i was in the melty brains practice room and i got ben to set me up with a load of stuff so i could record instruments and parts and i had a version of a track right up until this time last year and I'd never done anything to it. I was like, yeah, that's that. And then when I had most of the music, I was like, actually, that doesn't fit anymore. That's not going on the album. And so this song wasn't on the album. And then I took it apart entirely. I was like, all right, well, what in that song does work with the rest of the album? And it was just the piano. So I was like, right, I'll take, I'll delete everything else. All I keep is the piano. And then I'll figure out what to do with the piano. And originally I was trying to do an ambient piece. I wanted a long ambient sort of... Um, a piece to drift off into that was very weightless but I couldn't do it it was like working so it was during the lockdown it was about I think I put two weeks into this track and I wasn't really doing anything else it was just I was working on this track whenever I'd go up to my room at night Um, but I was working away and then one day I was like I'm just going to put a beat on it and see and then the second I put it like it was like oh it's it's done it's done I it just needed a beat um, but yeah, it was. It's all just from a fifteen-second-long piano loop that I just stripped apart and looped and cut and looped and turned into that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier, but like then I was like, oh, of course. When you mentioned John Hopkins, I was like, this is very John Hopkins. This- yeah, yeah. This is my little like. Do you think I'm cool, John? <laughs> that's 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 what's really saying. If we're if we're entirely honest here. Um, yeah, I'm obsessed with him. I'm mad about him. I, I think the worlds he creates in his music are just incredible. Um, and his his sense of structure and what you can do with music and how you can flip it and and bring beats in when they don't fully belong to come in, I just think is unreal. So it, it, he, I guess with this one, it, it, I he told me it was okay to do certain things. There are parts where I'm like... I'm definitely trying out some stuff, but I think also I had the comfort to do them because of being so interested in him. Being like, oh yeah, he can do that. Like the the beat can just come in and then just stop for a second. And uh, yeah, he'd be a big influence on this track. Yeah. Um, With regards to this style of music you know the kind of the fierce independent nature of it as well uh should point out as well uh something i've been i've I've increasingly been trying to do with artists want to have them on for these episodes uh there is a vinyl record of this available Uh yeah and uh it's pretty well packaged as well right there's like fucking there's a booklet and stuff and there's lots of yeah the booklet has all the art in it um and explains what's going on a little bit um and then yeah yeah the record's yeah, it's quite nice. Is it currently available or is it in production? I, I forget what It's I, in production. So you can order it at the moment. Yeah, you can buy it. Um, and I think as well, it's... it's. 
I well, I guess I made the record because I'm mad into records and I love the experience of sitting with them. But I think it works with the album because it, it really draws you in and it's it's my experience of the music. The reason I made the album as a fun fil- finished album was I wanted to sit down at a record player with my own music and put my music on record. Yeah. So then I was like, well, then I need to make a load of records to do that. <laughs> um, so if you want to hear it the way that I want to hear it, it's on a record. And that can be ordered from? Uh, either my website, which is com, or on my Bandcamp. Yeah, the Mihal Quinn one, by the way. Like, I mean, like, I'm going through that, and I'm like, I'm like, there's there's so much stuff. Like, <laughs> like you've written, like you, like you've written like a book about being on tour. You've got obviously the artwork as well. I know that you've also, you know, you've done stuff like whether it's like drumming videos on Instagram. Uh, I f- maybe I fever dream this, but I feel like you've done cooking videos somewhere. Is- oh, we did a little cooking show last year. <laughs> now, that does not qualify as a anything anyone should watch. Go through your CV here, you know, at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> the cooking videos. Um, yeah, it's funny with the website. I think like. I just put stuff there. The same way we all have Instagram and we just put stuff on Instagram. It's just your mood board or whatever. I think my website is just where I put stuff that's uh, finished. That's not even finished. It's just a nice place to put stuff, I think. Well, I hope uh, I hope John Hopkins is listening. I hope he orders the vinyl, as we all will, of course. But there is one track left. So let's hear how this thing finishes. That is the last track on the record. It's called For the Birds and this is how it ends. Uh, it's a very considered ending. Like I said, it felt more like a coda kind of end credits moment to me anyway. And I'm, I'm always, you know, that's my that's my fucking pretension. I'm always like, it's like the end of a film. Mm-hmm. Um, was that intentional? I mean, I really did feel like it, like it was designed to kind of swell, particularly coming off the last track. I think the last track is such a barrage by the end of it that this was almost like, you know, okay, pressure's off now for the listener and you can just kind of sink into this one. Yeah, yeah, like, because you could finish the album on thoughts. Yeah. And I, I did think about that a bit. I was like, does it need this last song? Like, that is a good finish point. But um, I wanted to... The way the album's designed is the first song brings you into the world. And it's... It, 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 I wanted it to be like... it's not, It doesn't sound like the rest of the album, but it's it's the doorway in. And it's quite... Um, I don't know, it just does... It, to me, anyway, it does something. It brings me into the mindset of like, oh, here we go. And then I wanted the to finish the album by letting you back out. I didn't want to just like stop us. I didn't want to close the door. I wanted to be like, and now we off you go. So that track was written and recorded pretty fully entirely again, the same time as the first song. So back in 2010 or 11. Um, on an out-of-tune guitar, an out-of-tune piano, because I didn't really know any better. I was like, oh yeah, that sounds fine to me. <laughs> um, and again, it just stayed with me the whole time. Someone has put the album together. It's like, oh yeah, those two songs are in a similar um, sound world. So they'll be the bookends to the world in the middle. Um, And yeah, it's just quite a like, it's it's a bit dreamy. And I think it kind of wakes you back up a bit or puts you to sleep, whichever place you're in. Um, But it was, yeah, it was specifically put on the end of the album as a like wandering um, 
loose kind of thing. Yeah, it reminded me of like when I saw The Blaze that one and only time at Electric Picnic back when I was obsessed with them for a while and their show closes off with like their screens close over and then it's end credits. Like it just comes up like, you know, The Blaze are and then like all the people who worked on their show and whatever. And it's just, I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Why doesn't music have end credits? Like, I mean, like it's such a cool idea. Um, I guess, you know... It's. I'm. I'm glad that you said like the way the album was designed that you had a definitive beginning and ending. Um, for a listener, um, obviously you've outlined your own kind of personal relationship with this with this project in particular. What do you want a listener to kind of take away from it? Essentially. Ooh, I don't know. I like. I've, I've thought about this the last couple of weeks because it's coming out, and people have been asking. What do you think? Or like, are you excited? Or or what do you think people are going to think? And I I don't think about it too much because um, it was never for that. But the place I did come to was I just, I'd love if it gave people what it's given me for themselves. Like not exactly what it's given me, but whatever it does for me is a nice thing. And I'd love if it if it gave someone something they needed. Um, I'd, I'd love it did that even if it was just a break or if it like part of it was I just wanted music that I could stand in front of a loudspeaker the way I would at a festival and just fucking pump along to it <laughs> um, so if it does that for someone I'd I'd love that I'd love if someone felt compelled to stand up and just move to it um, I don't know yeah just it'd be I don't know yeah I, I, it'd be cool if it uh, if it did something nice for someone yeah and it has, yeah. like, I was going to ask you, like, to finish up, I mean, like, what has it done for you? Or is it too early to know that? I don't know. It's 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 held my hand, I think. Um, it's just been omnipresent in my life for so long that it's been with me the whole time. It's been, like, a nice place to go back to all the time. Um, it's also kind of told me, it's showed me, like, it it's showed me oh yeah you can do this Michal. like you you're capable of doing that if 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 you wanted to do it you could do it um, and that was nice cuz i was i'd listened to music constantly and obsess over and going to gigs i'd just love it and i'd always have it's nice to it's nice to be able to say to myself oh yeah you can do that too if you want like you can you can make something that'll satisfy you enough to to lose yourself to it so it's just shown me a bit of myself i think and it's been it's been nice to me yeah yeah uh, this is the part I always love because I get to say congratulations to uh, to the person I'm interviewing uh, <laughs> I think it's a beautiful project and uh, it's really nice to hear you talk about it and to hear you to kind of say that out loud and, and, and outline what, what I think you do hear in the music but it's but it's especially nice to hear someone kind of have that kind of smile on your face about it which is just so cool and uh, thank you so much for talking to us about it man I really really did appreciate it so the album's colours the artist is Michal Quinn and I guess we'll do this again in 10 years yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you know the news? <laughs> All right, man. Who knows? Thanks, Thanks so much. very much. Yeah, yeah. Enjoyed that a lot. That was Michal Quinn. The album was Colours, and I greatly enjoyed discussing it with him in depth. I hope you enjoyed it too. The album is out now for order. You can get it on vinyl. You can get it like through his Bandcamp, through his website. You'll find all kinds of things on there, as I said before. There's very little Michal can't do. He's an incredibly uh, versatile soul, and it comes across... Uh, I hope it came across in the interview as well. I, I I hope it didn't feel like an interview. I mean, like, like I think with these ones, I, I especially want them to be conversational. I especially want them to kind of melt away into that kind of one-on-one nature, and I hope that 
I came across, I know that a couple of points, I it felt like I like I kind of didn't really feel like I was doing an interview. It was like we're just having a conversation. This is nice, and that's kind of what I want to get out of these things. Uh, it's that level of like hopefully putting a focus on the record, but also the person. And I think with someone like Michal, you know, I'm not saying I'm the greatest interview of all time, but you'd have to be a pretty bad one to come away from an hour with Michal Quinn and and and, and have nothing to show for it. He's a very interesting guy. I'm really really glad he took the time, and I would once again encourage you, the listener, to take the time to check out Colors, his debut record. It's clearly a beautifully personal work. I think he's realized something really really strong and it was an absolute joy to cover it on this show so uh thanks again also to our sonic architect adam shanahan the best in the business we love him dearly we will be lost without him thank you so much sir and thank you for listening it's patreon.com slash no encore if you want to help keep supporting this show very very much appreciated and every friday new episode of the show myself and craig with patrick so thanks for listening check out colors my name is dave hanready this has been no encore there will be no encore and we'll be back soon This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. At Total Wine & More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine & More. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.